Welcome to the Impact Church Podcast, and thank you so much for joining us as we seek to establish Christ followers who live in obedience to God's Word and make an impact in their community and the world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, Pastor Brad continues in his sermon series titled Counter Culture as he speaks on abortion and shares how the Lord speaks through his word so that we can bring light and not heat into this conversation. Are you ready to make an impact for Christ? The time is now. God's masterpiece. Welcome, Impact Church. How are we doing this morning? Good? All right. Hope you're uh, excited to be in the house of the Lord today as we continue in our sermon series called Counterculture. We've been diving into some issues that the Lord has direct words on biblically from Scripture that, that speaks very candidly to and toward, but yet, for the most part, over the past few decades, churches have been surprisingly silent about. And because of that, the enemy has taken over. He has seized the opportunity to run wild in the hearts, minds, lives of people. And he's done a great job. Because we haven't combated him with the offensive weapon that the Lord has given, and that's the truth of his word. This is the sword to combat the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So let's be reminded again, our battle is not against flesh and blood. We are not against people, all right? We are not against government. We are against an enemy, a, a, a satanic force, a demonic force that is running wild because, in the large part, we have not stood like we should have on the Word of God. So, amen. So as a church, we wanted to take this stance. The Lord wanted us to take this stance and to present the truth and love on a lot of these topics and issues that are facing us. And today is no different. A very uh, sensitive, touchy subject in the world today that has uh, been seemingly kicked under the rug in so many ways about being talked about and specifically about what God has to say about it. So our major topic of discussion today in God's Word is on the issue of abortion. The title of today's message is Danger in the Womb, the Attack on Life. You know, there's a lot of things in our world that are protected, right? I mean, we have animals that are endangered species, and as such, they are protected. You cannot harm them in any way, shape, or form, including their young or in their process of providing and making young. You look at sea turtles and they protect the beaches and if you disrupt one of those nests, oh boy, Lord, help you, right? But it still isn't born yet. I want you to think about that. But you could be fined, maybe even jailed. I don't know. I didn't look the, the, take the time to look this up. But there's heavy consequences for disrupting an unborn sea turtle. There's heavy consequences for harming a, an eagle, a bald eagle. All right. You know that was coming. <laughs> Elephants protected in many ways. Polar bears. You could go on down the list of all the endangered and protected species and how they even go as far as to protect the young. But yet, even though you could be penalized for harming a sea turtle unborn, the life of a baby in the womb, we can do with as we please. Offer our convenience. I wonder why that would be. Why would one be protected and one not? Is the life of a sea turtle more valuable than the life of a human? We have governors, New York and even in our state of Virginia that have went to pass laws on abortion, making them more possible to do later in pregnancy. Let's just put it that way. Even to the point where our own Virginia governor made a comment that if an abortion was intended and the baby somehow was still born, that they would keep it comfortable on the table till the mom and dad and the doctor decided what they wanted to do with it. You don't get much more barbaric than that. But that's what happens 
when we as a society and when people have evil in their heart and don't obey God's word and have love in their heart toward others and put others above themselves. Yes, maybe the baby would be inconvenient at the time in that mom's life. But are you going to put yourself above the child? That's the opposite of what being a mom is. When that baby's outside of the womb and you have it under your arm and you care for it, you give your life for it. But yet in the womb, it's a matter of just convenience where you can sacrifice it instead. It just seemingly doesn't make sense. You know, even you look at, looking at different things and how they don't make sense in our society, that it's illegal to ship a pregnant lobster. Did you know that? I mean, that, that's insane. And, and this is a real law, so I had to look it up, all right? Because I heard about this, it's like, nah, yeah. All right, for the state of Maine, you can go to their government website. It is against the law to take, transport, sell, or possess any lobster that is bearing eggs carried under the tail. Penalty for possessing an egg-bearing lobster is $1,000 for each violation, and in addition, a fine of $200 for each lobster involved, up to and including the first five. In excess of five, a fine of $400 for each lobster, or if the number of lobsters cannot be determined, I guess there's a bunch of eggs up under the tail, I don't know, a fine of not less than $2,500 or more than $10,000 is assessed. It's illegal because the eggs could die. So why are we at where we're at with human life? It almost doesn't make sense. And I want to come right off the bat and just say this is not about statistics and research or social and cultural views. This isn't about political views, although this has been highly politicized. This is about life. This is about life and what God says is life and who thus is in control of that life. So we have to really ask ourselves, do we follow God or do we follow self and culture? If you follow anything other than God and his word, what is that called? An idol, a false God. So if we make our decisions based on self, are we in idolatry? Every time. And that's not just this subject, that's every subject we've talked about the past few weeks, every subject we're gonna talk about the next few weeks. That when we choose to make decisions just based on what we feel and what we want and not what God says, we are in trouble. And here's the, here's the hard part of that. We can all mess up, we can all be deceived, we can all be coerced to even do something like an abortion that we never thought we would do. But here's the thing, when, when we as a society and, and even as a people start to justify those decisions and make excuses for them against God's word, you have to start to question your heart. The Bible says to examine yourselves and see if you're truly of the faith. If you're trying to justify things in our society and in our life that go against God's word, you need to start to question your heart for Jesus. Because remember, we cannot separate Jesus from his word. We can't do it. He is his word. He is truth. He even said, Father, sanctify them by your truth. That's how we are sanctified, is through his word and through his truth. But you have an enemy that wants to make you doubt God's word. Remember that? And he's so good at what he does. And what we're gonna see, that this abortion is not a scientific argument. It's not a philosophical argument. It's not a political argument. It's a theological issue is what it is. It's an issue of God's word. Is it true or is it not? So what we want to see today is what does the Bible say? We don't want to 
Just look at statistics and look at sides and what we're going to do. We're going to look at Planned Parenthood and, and the feminist movement and, and, and all the stuff that plays into a lot of this. But none of that really matters because ultimately the only thing that matters is not up for debate. And that's what God's word says. Amen. So us as followers of Christ, as claimed Christians, where should we stand on this issue of abortion? In our life, in our society, in our votes, where should we stand? Let's find out. Let's see what God says about the womb, all right? And then let's let the Holy Spirit work on our lives and everybody's lives at the sound of my voice through his truth and change how we view, feel, and go about life so that we can do it his way and not ours. Because what we're gonna see and what we know is, is this thing of abortion's not new. There was abortions taking place in biblical times. They just did it different. Found the baby in the womb and tried to beat it with a rock or, or whatever. There was just sickening, crazy stuff. Tried to inject poison inside the mother to kill it. Abortions come a long way, but it's not new. There's been an attack on the womb from the very start. There's been an attack on life from our enemy from the very start. So we see people of God though, the Jewish people resisted abortion. The pagans did it, but even the Jews, those that maybe even didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, still did not take part in abortions because they knew that God ordained life. And it was a no brainer that that's not what God fearing people do even those that were confused about who really Jesus was. So, God's people, or claimed God's people, Israel stood against it, churches stood against it, we must stand against it as well. With the truth and love, let's see what God's word has to say today as we look and know that there's danger in the womb. In church, we are called to protect those who cannot protect themselves. Let me pray for us real quick, amen. Dear Lord, we love you, Father, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word because your word does not come back void. Lord, we're gonna hear your word today. Not my opinion, not my voice, Lord. I wanna hide behind the cross so people only see and hear you. Lord, we're gonna present some truth through statistics and, and through presentations of the culture, Lord, but ultimately we wanna get down to what your word says. So Father, Lord, I pray that you would speak, Lord, and give truth that changes hearts and lives. Lord, that you would meet us where we're at. Maybe we've been deceived on this issue. Maybe we haven't stood on it correctly. Maybe there's people in here, Father, Lord, that have even been deceived or manipulated into having an abortion, or maybe they're in that process now of thinking about it. Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness, your redemption, your hope. Father, because you heal. Lord, even when we have fallen and we think there's no way back, Father, you meet us where we're at. Father, it's only one step back to you and we praise you for that. So I pray, Lord, that everybody, the sound of my voice, if, if they've had an abortion, or if they have family members that have had an abortion, that they would hear the redemption of your heart, Lord, to run to them. Father, that you wanna heal, restore, and renew, and forgive, and move forward. And Lord, that their testimony would be used for other people who are being deceived to go down the same path, that they could be turned away from the harmfulness that this causes. So Lord, I pray that you would speak to your church. I pray that you would speak to your people. I pray, Father, you would speak, Lord, to our society. Lord, that you would forgive us for our sin, that we have turned our back on you. And Father, we no longer regard life as yours and precious as a society. So Father, I pray that you would speak, that you would change hearts and lives, and we'll give you all the glory today for what you do in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so guys, I wanna, as I alluded to in the prayer, I wanna say first and foremost, if there's anybody here that has had an abortion or you have a family member that's had an abortion, this is a very sensitive, emotional, gut-wrenching topic for you today. And I know that. But I want you to hear Christ calling to you that there's forgiveness at the foot of the cross. 
that he can heal, restore, renew, forgive us of anything we've ever done, anything that we've even been deceived or even talked into doing that we really didn't want to do at the time. But maybe a nurse talked you into it. Maybe a a parent talked you into it. Maybe a boyfriend talked you into it. Whatever the case may be, yes, there's scars. Yes, there's pain that will remain. But Christ wants to set you free and renew you and restore you. And then use your testimony, amen, as a light to other people. So please, 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 please hear the message of redemption through this, how Christ wants to use you no matter where you've been, no matter where you've stood on this issue to now speak life and truth to people going forward, all right? So I wanted to stay that right up off the bat. So we know this issue is right up in front of us in many ways, politically, in our society. So what's it about? What's the heart of it? Turn with me to Psalms 127. We're gonna look at verses three and four because I think the main question boils down to, does God even care about kids? I mean, you know? I mean, if, if, if society doesn't care about kids in the womb, does, does God? Does God care about children? Well, let's see. Psalms 127, verse three and four. And it's even gonna, I think, allude by what this passage states. It's gonna allude to why the enemy attacks it. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, there's the womb, is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. I don't think anything could state more clearly what God looks at children like a reward, a blessing, the fruit of the womb. I want you to think about the womb here again. We're talking about the womb, right? Because I think most people, and even in our society, and even courts would agree that once a child is outside of the womb, you can't kill it, right? So the whole battle, the whole debate goes back into the womb. So I want you to hear from scripture today how God points back to the womb that this is where life starts, this is where life begins to matter, not once it's outside the mother's body, but even from the beginning, that this is the fruit of the womb. And here's, here it is, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. What is that saying? You have an ability, moms and dads, to raise these little ones up in the admonition of the Lord so when they're old, they won't depart from it, and then they become an arrow, an arrow in the hand of a warrior to What does an arrow do? It attacks the enemy. So why now do you see such an attack on God's creation? He doesn't want you, church, people, to raise little arrows to be shot back at him, to make a change in their schools, to make a change in their society, to raise their kids up. He doesn't want that. And one of the best ways he can come against that is to kill it and deceive people and to think, well, while it's in here, it doesn't matter but somehow that sea turtle matters and the the lobster matters, but that doesn't matter. That's a lie from the enemy. That's all that is. It's deception. And you can't blame people for falling for it as much because they're they're under the, the mesmerization of an enemy who's captivating their hearts and he's blinding their eyes like scales. And the Bible said this would happen that the lowercase g, God of this world, would captivate the hearts of society. There are those that wouldn't commit their lives to Christ. So we see the direction that we've taken. So this is an attack of the enemy, plain and simple. Again, we're not fighting against flesh and blood, we're fighting against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. That's, That's who the enemy is in this. Remember back from last week, we talked about the issue last week and every other issue we've talked about and even this issue today, the ones that we'll talk about in the future. It's no different than the first attack that Satan had on Adam and Eve. He attacked God's character. He attacked God's word. He attacked God's creation. And he attacked God's design. It's the same thing with the issue today. 
attacking the very character of God that, that he would create and, and instill specificity in a human being and, and that he has our best in mind, attacking his word on the truth that we're gonna look at, attacking his creation, the very life that God has instilled in the womb. And he attacks God's design so that no arrows are being made. Do you see that? It's a, it's a plan, it's a, it's a scheme of an enemy that wants to destroy. So as we look at statistics, because we've backed off as a church in preaching messages like this and standing on this and, and pushing out people to, to, to stand on the word and to know where we should be in terms of this issue and what God's word says, now we have approximately, since 1973 with Roe versus Wade, approximately somewhere in the neighborhood of 70 million abortions that have taken place, 70 million. I wanna remind you the population of the US is just over 300 million. It's almost a third of our population we've killed in one lifetime, my lifetime, yours, some of your lifetime. We've killed a third of ourselves off with this, just this. Worldwide, it's not just an American issue. Worldwide, 56 million babies are aborted annually. 56 million. That means, depending on how long I preach today, <laughs> approximately 10,000 babies will die by abortion by the time we get out of here at 1130-ish. 10,000. From the time we started to the time we finish, 10,000 in this world are gone. We'll never live but we're protecting sea turtles and lobster eggs. Statistics show that one in four women will have an abortion by the time they're 45 years old. This is the one that got me. 65% of women who have abortions identify as Christians. Do you see why we need this church? It's heartbreaking. We know that the suicide rates among women who have had abortions doubles or more than doubles, depending on where you look at statistics. There's other things that we could go into, but we don't have time to. There's all kinds of um, physical, mental health disorders, hypochondria, depression, withdrawal, guilt, shame, drug and alcohol dependency is huge after abortion, serious emotional trauma, all of these from the pain of an abortion. So America as a nation is highly committed by law and by practice to this form of mass murder. We've put it in. So now we see because of that, that this cycle of violence and murder that we're on really makes the Nazi Holocaust look really mild. Estimates around six million people died in the Holocaust, it's horrible. 70 million in the US in 73 far exceeds the Holocaust. 10, more than 10 times. So you can see that this issue matters and where we stand on it matters. And even I would propose again, how we vote on this issue matters as to, as to what laws are written in the future. And which leads me to a point that I'd brought up last week and you know, our, our sermon series title is Counterculture, Speaking the Truth in Love. And, and I brought up a, a, a statement last week because I got off my notes and that's always a dangerous thing because sometimes the filter doesn't catch. And it's one of those times it didn't catch. And you know, and, and alluding to the political world, I, I made a comment that sometimes it's like you're voting on people and it's like, pick your favorite idiot. Well, that wasn't very loving at all, so I apologize, sincerely. I know it's kind of silly, I apologize, because my intent is never to name call, never will be to name call, because it's not loving. But in, inside of that, the meaning of such that I didn't explain and should have to present it more lovingly is a lot of times we know we're voting on candidates that everybody's gonna drudge up something about, right? I mean, that's the thing to do these days, right? Whether it don't matter, hey, this isn't a Democrat or Republican issue, by the way. 
All right, that's not what we're talking about here. God, God's not a Democrat, God's not a Republican. God does not, God's not for some person and, and against another. God is about his word, okay? God is big on the issues that address, that are addressed by his word. So therefore, that's where we should be. So the comment, although not presented correctly at all, that I again apologize for, was meant to say that, hey, sometimes there may be a candidate that they're going to drudge up a bunch of stuff on from their past that they embezzled a bunch of money, did all this, that, and the other, that they were very crude and whatever. And Satan wants to use that to prevent us from having the opportunity to be sawed in light in the way we vote on issues like this and others that we've discussed. So we just say, ah, well, I'm not gonna vote at all if they did that. Well, understood that maybe what a lot of the people do is not right, but we still have an obligation, an opportunity with our vote to be sawed in light in our community, in our world, in our nation, on how we stand on issues, guys. And let's just be said, of course, they're not all idiots, right? They're not. There's a lot of people that are called to be politicians that maybe even left previous jobs and they know the Lord has called them to that position to be salt and light themselves in that office. And Lord, let me tell you, we need more of them, amen? We need those people. We need God-fearing men and women to take the oath of office, to uphold our constitution, to uphold the word of God on cultural and moral issues that have leaked into politics. Let's be honest, politics isn't about economics only anymore. That, but when morality and issues like this start to leak in, you better believe we better not be silent, church. So that's where the comment alluded from, although presented incorrectly. So let's move on. When you look at cities around our nation and, and what's going on with abortion, there was a, a doctor Dominiguez of New York years ago, and he wrote this. He said, on any Monday, you can see 70 garbage bags with fetal material in them along the sidewalks of abortion clinics in New York City. That was years ago. It's a huge issue. So you can do basically to a human baby what you can't do to a dog or a cat, and rightly so. We shouldn't be able to do that to an animal either, but we can do it to a child. What are some reasons for abortions that people allude to as why they took part in that? And this is besides the obvious of people getting talked into or pressured by somebody, but 75% cite they're unable to care for another family member so they can't have the baby. 75% say they can't afford to raise it, so they kill it. 75% say that they fear their ability to continue to do work, school, or other obligations if they have to raise it. And then over 50% just say they don't want to be a single parent. So all those reasons, what was the common denominator? I, 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 all of them. What is the medical look at this? I mean, medically, let's look before we get into God's word specifically. Medically, can, can we justify that, that life begins in the womb? Can, can, can we really solidify that? Is that, is that a, a medical issue as well? I want to read to you something from a, a Dr. Jerome Lejeune. He was a, pro, a professor, I believe, in Paris. And he says this. He says, life has a very long history, but each individual has a very neat beginning, the moment of its conception. Listen, the material link is the molecular thread of DNA. In each reproductive cell, each cell, this ribbon roughly one meter long is cut into 23 pieces or chromosomes. As soon as the 23 paternally derived chromosomes are united through fertilization to the 23 maternal chromosomes, the full genetic meeting necessary to express 
all the inborn qualities of the new individual is gathered. At two months of age, the human being is less than one thumb length from the head to its bottom. He would fit at ease in a nutshell, but everything is there. Hands, feet, head, organs, brains. In the fourth week starts consciousness. All are in place. His heart has been beating for a month already and fingertips can be detected. His heart is beating at two months at 150 to 170 beats a minute. To accept the fact that after fertilization has taken place, a new human being has come into being is no longer a matter of taste or opinion. Highly specific. So we know a heart begins to beat between the 18th and 25th day after conception. I want you to think about that. Days. Woman doesn't even know she's pregnant most times by then. Brain waves have been recorded as early as 45 days. At eight weeks, you have fingerprints. The identity that will be with them for a lifetime that nobody else has. You heard about this chromosome strands that go together. When these are formed together, I want you to understand this. Nobody else in the history's past, present, or future will ever have the same DNA chromosome makeup as that child has or had if you aborted it. It's gone forever. What God intended through them, the plans he had, will never be replicated through another person again. And I've heard so many people say, well, I wonder when God's gonna bring somebody along that can cure cancer. Maybe he already has. We killed it. I want you to think about what the attack has been. And know the enemy doesn't know the future, right? But just like the enemy knew and heard the Messiah was coming because he knows scripture, right? What did through Herod he try to do? Kill all the firstborn. We'll get rid of the Messiah, right? Hey, this is an age-old tactic to destroy God's design and God's plan, and he is just running through society with it now. Specifically in this country since 1973, when our court failed us and made a wrong decision, Ignoring the issue of when life begins, as we so clearly see, which is a medical and scientific issue, highly regarded and studied and solidified. And what's really bad is they passed this decision, even though criminals have been successfully prosecuted for killing an unborn child in an attack on a pregnant mother. Where is the sense in that? It's okay to kill it in the womb in a pregnancy through volition of the mom, but it's not okay to kill it through external circumstances. It's either a life or it's not. So if, if you get two life sentences for that, why not this? Why isn't this considered life? The truth is it is. People just want to ignore it. People are being deceived and pushed a direction toward destruction by an enemy. Even Harvard Medicine back some 50 years ago now created four criteria for when someone is dead, okay? To be dead, considered brain dead, dead, there's no response to external stimuli, there's no spontaneous movements or respiratory efforts, there's no deep brain reflexes, there's no brain activity by a flat encephalophily, encephalopathy. Everything that we just described the baby has at eight to 12 weeks, minimum. Some people would even go so far as to say, well, Brad, okay, well, how about, and what about situations of abortion during rape or incest or what about situations of abortion where the mother's life is is in you know question during this pregnancy and delivery and i would ask you yeah what about it 
does it matter? Do all of a sudden in certain circumstances now we have control of the womb and not God? Or does God always have control? To say that a child is not worth living that has been conceived through an evil act such as rape or incest is to then do two wrongs to try to somehow make that right. Guys, we can't stand like that. I know it's horrible and you may say, Brad, you may think differently if that was your daughter and you might be right, I may feel differently then. But what I feel doesn't matter. Amen. Because I have to go with what God said because there's been so many people that the, the mom has decided to give life after an unfortunate evil circumstance like that and that child has gone on to affect society in so many great ways and even be a blessing to the mom or dad who maybe even adopted it. And that's where we need to push people toward. If you feel like you're not capable, you're not ready, you're not able, by all means, understood, but there's options for adoption to give that baby life and put it in the hands of somebody who maybe he can, cannot have a child for whatever reason. But don't take its life. No matter what the evil circumstance may have been preceding it. How about the death of the mom? Well, again, we're at this decision. Do we trust God or not? Do we start to try to take matters in our own hands on, on life? That gets to be a scary point. And again, you may say, Brad, you might feel different if that was your wife and you're right. I may feel differently, but it doesn't matter how I feel. It matters what God's truth is and do I truly trust God or do I not? Here's the truth of those circumstances though and I want you to hear this because those are, are really huge arguments and justification even inside the church of why we should still allow abortions to take place. But do you know the percentage of abortions that take place because of those two circumstances? Anybody even wanna have a guess? Both of them combined, rape, incest, and death of the mom, less than 2% of all abortions. That's it. So, do we trust God or do we not with the womb? So we wanna get into what the Bible says. I would go through the processes, but I don't want to because you can look them up for yourself, but they're pretty disgusting and they're pretty barbaric as to how the baby is chopped up inside and basically sucked out or, or shot saline into the amniotic sac so that it basically burns itself up. It's, it's, it's completely animalistic the way this takes place. So we don't need to go through extreme details, but just know it's primitive and it's not pleasing to God in any way, shape or form. But yet 15 year olds can go get an abortion without the parental knowledge or consent. Son's, it's unreal. 15-year-old can't vote. 15-year-old cannot yet drive. 15-year-old cannot even go purchase uh, something on, on a, online or anywhere on their own. But yet they can go and have a life-ending medical procedure that also leaves scars forever. If you look at the statistics about people, young ladies that have abortions, how later in life that they have more likely to have miscarriages, that, that, that some of them are infertile. I mean, just all the complications besides just the mental harm as well. So what's Planned Parenthood's side? What do they say? Pretty sickening from way back, a, a Dr. Willard Cates, He's from the Planned Parenthood Physicians Association. So a doctor, he wrote a paper of which the title speaks volumes. You don't even, even know what it, need to know what it said because the title says, Abortion as Treatment for Unwarranted Pregnancy, the Second Sexually Transmitted Disease. A doctor alluded to pregnancy as a STD, a disease. It's not a child, it's a disease. It needs to be treated. Then, back then, Planned Parenthood had the argument that 
they would never use the word baby. They would always use the word fetus. And it was never about the pregnancy. It was all about the, the who of the mother and the what of the fetus. But then was this big question of, of this is, is this a fetus or a baby? And like I said, all these scientific evidence started to come and show what was really inside the womb. Here's the biggest thing that Stephen started to change what they said and how they presented their argument. Technology. Think about what a, a mom can go get done now and actually see what's inside with ultrasounds. And, and now that the biggest technological advance is a 4D photo of your child, where it's almost like getting a photograph of your child while they're in your womb. And you get to see their, you can see their eyebrows, their hair, their fingernails. You get to see details even quirks about whether they have a, a dimple or not on their chin and, and all the intricate details are seen. And here's what's beautiful. Since this technology, 85% of women who see their 4D image decide to keep the baby. It changes things, doesn't it? It really does. When you know that this isn't just a lump of cells or a mass or a, or a attachment of your body, this is a child of its own origin ordained by God. So then they changed their issue. So now abortion, yes, it's a baby. They'll use the word baby and it's just the, the new normal. We're just, if it's a baby, it's a baby and it's just a matter of timing and what procedure you wanna use to end it. A lady by the name of Betty Frieden, who is deceased now, who was the leader of a feminist movement, I believe back in the 70s, 80s, stuff like that, said women are not equal to men unless they are rid of childbearing responsibilities. Women must have abortion as a backup to contraceptive failure. Contraception first, and if it doesn't work, then abortion because we can't be bothering with children. We've gotta to go to work and make our way in a man's world. It's pretty sad when you see Planned Parenthood, the feministic movement, and the disregard for life in the womb. So church, what does the Bible say? We know what the world says. You may even have your own formed opinion through society, through family, what your mom and dad taught you, whatever, or what you feel. But what does the Bible say? Because that's where we need to stand. So what does it say? I'm gonna give you three points as to why we, as claimed followers of Jesus Christ, need to stand in opposition to abortion in every facet, in every way we have an opportunity to stand against it, we need to. Are you ready? Number one, the Lord controls the womb. Plain and simple. The Lord controls the womb. Does the Bible say that? You betcha, a lot. I don't even have time to go through all the times it says it, but let's hit some. Psalm 100 verse three says, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. Some people like to say, well, we made a baby. No, you didn't. <laughs> You're just a human instruments that God used to make a baby. You do nothing apart from him and what he's given you physically. So he controls life, not the man or the woman, the God who ordained life. In Jeremiah 1 verse five, God said to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the, what's the word? Womb. I knew you before you were what? Before you were born? What'd that mean? That means you're not outside yet. Before you were born, I set you apart as a prophet to the nations. Before you were born, I had a purpose for your life. Every single 70 million babies had a purpose for their life that was ordained by God before they were to be born and the enemy used people to snuff it out, deceived people, tricked people, coerced people. Before I formed you in the womb, before you were even conceived, God knew you. He knows your name. 
He knows who you are. He has a plan for your life. You are special. You are not an accident, which goes in direct opposition to why we should uh, abort a baby just because of incest or rape. Yes, it was evil that created that, but does God have his hand on the womb or does Satan? God. Now, believe me, I don't understand and I don't have an answer as to why God would allow conception through evil acts like that, you would think he would just totally block that from the start. But I'm not God, nor are you. And I don't have an answer for that. And I don't have an answer as to why he has loving couples who love Jesus, who would give kids, multiple kids, a great home, why he lets it be so challenging for them to have a child, but yet people who beat them and and ignore them and don't treat them right and don't raise them in the Lord, they can have 20 of them. I don't have an answer for that. But ultimately, we need to know and realize that God controls the womb. And it's his. It's not ours for the taking. Galatians 1, verse 15. Paul, let's go New Testament. And that verse says, but he who had separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace set me apart again, the NIV says. So even in the womb that Paul even knew, Jeremiah knew that God had a calling and a plan starting in the womb at conception. Life and God's plan begins there and it shouldn't be messed with. Still don't believe me? Let's go to Luke. Chapter 1, verse 41. Luke, four, Luke 1, 41 says, It happened that when Elizabeth, all right, remember Elizabeth's pregnant with John the Baptist, right? It happened that when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the baby leaped in her womb. Are you kidding me? Another justification of life, of of baby on the inside, hearing something on the outside and making a physical response that only a human being can to that. Let's go deeper because that's not all in that passage. I want you to notice the word baby because that's the key point here. The word baby, all right, in the Greek is brephos. Brephos is the word used many times in scripture and other places for a living baby. So if you go when it talks about a living baby already outside the womb, it still uses the word brephos. In the womb, it still uses the word brephos. What's your point, Brad? There's no different terms. It's not fetus and baby. Brephos means fetus and baby. It's one word in God's word. A baby is a baby from here to out here. There is no different, guys, no difference in scripture. So biblically, we can state life begins at conception. God knows us before we're formed. God places us in the womb with a plan. And he even uses the same word in his word for a baby and a fetus. It's the same. There's no difference. So, but the pro-abortion people would argue that a woman has the right to control her own body and therefore she has the right to abort it. And society then recognizes rights among people and that's a big thing now, rights, human rights and civil rights and all that kind of stuff. So we realize that if you're really a person and you're an individual person, that you have rights. But yet it ignores the rights of the person that's in the womb. Number two, Second reason we should stand against abortion as followers of Christ, because life is created in the image of God, and God knows us and planned our being and our days. Life is created in the image of God. God knows us and planned our being and our days. We exhausted this a lot last week in our message, so we're gonna just hit this briefly, but we know Genesis very clearly states that we as human beings, male and female, are created in the image of God. A very special, unique characteristic giving to that creation that was giving to nothing else. Not the sea turtle eggs, not the lobster eggs, but the human baby 
was created in the image of God. So it's special, it's unique, it's the crown of God's creation. We look at Psalms, we'll read that again, Psalms 139 verses 13 through 16 says this very clearly, for you formed my inward parts, not just talking about your guts, it's who you are, your, your DNA, your chromosomes, you know, who we talked about, who you are. He formed that. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. From my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet formed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Very clearly, God's design on life is detailed, is specific, and he is the controller of life. Third, final point, as to why we should stand in opposition to abortion as a follower of Christ. Is God calls for protection of life and consequences when life is taken. God calls for protection of life and consequences when life is taken. All right, so some say, though that, how can you say that? Right there, I gotcha, I gotcha. You can't say that, God is a protector of life and, and wants that because he killed people, he killed babies, and even numerous times you can see where pregnant women died at the hands of God and his people in his move. And to which a lot of people would be like, um, uh, well, um, let me explain something. In those circumstances where yes, I'm sure in Noah's flood, that children, pregnant women lost their lives with the babies inside. I'm sure that happened. I'm sure in Sodom and Gomorrah, children, pregnant women with their babies inside lost their lives. And we know from other examples where cities, the Amalekites, different things, people were taken over where Women, children, pregnant women with babies inside all lost their lives. So what do you say about that? Here's the circumstance. We can never equivalate those deaths with the volitional killing and murder of babies in the womb through abortion. Why? Because in those circumstances, what were they all in common? They were times of God's judgment on evil, where people would not turn and give their lives to him and turn from their wickedness and turn towards him. And oftentimes you'll see it was preceded by warnings, numerous warnings, not just one or two, but many. Go back and you look at Pharaoh, how many warnings did he have before the sons died? There were warnings, there were times to give for repentance because he's a patient, loving God, but he has to make a stand against sin and evil because he's God, he's holy. He cannot exist in the presence of evil. So, with these repeated calls from God to repent and the failed response from these people, in, in fact, just the opposite, a continued hardened heart and choice toward evil, God's wrath came. So judgment was delayed in order to give an ample time for repentance from sin and the, the avoidance of that judgment. But yet because repentance never came, the judgment still did because he's God. So it's not the same as us killing people, babies, through abortion. It's not. We can go on and on. We know Exodus chapter 20, 13, 10 commandments says, thou shalt not murder, right? Genesis 9, 6 says, whoever sheds a man's blood by man, his blood shall also be shed. For in the image of God, he made man. 
that there's an accountant for shedding of blood. Genesis 4.10, that's the story in the account of Cain. We won't go through reading it. But God basically said, Cain, man, where's your brother Abel? I killed him. <laughs> yeah, God said to him, what have you done? Listen to this. The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. That there's a curse that comes with taking life. Exodus 21, 22, very, very pertinent verse that needs to be read because it's often brought up in regards to this in the support of abortion and such. It's Exodus 21, 22. Let me read that really quick for us. It says, if men fight and hurt a woman with a child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet no harm follows, she shall surely be punished according to judges determine but if any harm follows okay you with this so if any harm follows the baby the woman then you shall give life for life eye for eye tooth for tooth hand for hand foot for foot burn for burn wound for wound stripe for stripe if you're responsible for the killing of an unborn child even though accidentally Bible is very clear, it's on your hands. But you say, oh, Brad, that's Old Testament though, man. That's old school stuff, right? Jesus never said anything like that. Are you sure? Sure he did. Matthew 6, Matthew, sorry, chapter 26, 51. He's right up there with the disciples in the garden before he's taken away to the cross. And you remember the account and Judas and the Roman soldiers come and they Sees, going to seize Jesus, and what does Peter do, right? Grabs his sword and goes full samurai. Why? Roman soldier probably ducks, saves his head, but loses his ear, right? What's Jesus say? Put your sword away. For those who want to pick up that thing and shed blood, you're also going to die by it. There's a penalty for taking life that's unaccounted for. Psalms 106, 38, we don't have time to go through all of them. The Bible says that they shed innocent blood in the blood of their sons and their daughters whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. It's a story about how, man, the, the people were sacrificing their babies, basically throwing them to the fire in, in worship of other gods, hoping that they would not fall under the judgment of that God. And you would say, how sick can somebody be to throw their baby in a fire? Just for another lowercase g God. But yet how many times do we throw our baby in the fire in America for the lowercase g God of self, of convenience, materialism, Guys, today, God wants to call us back. No matter where we've been, no matter where we've stood, no matter what we've done, God wants to call us back today to truth. Because we know Psalm 82 verse three says, we are to defend the poor and the fatherless. We are to defend those who cannot defend themselves. We're to make a stand, church, for righteousness in Christ so that the Lord can do his work on people's hearts and lives. And I'm convinced that the fury of God someday, and I know, will fall on those who have claimed innocent life and have not repented for it, not asked for forgiveness, not taken a new path. Ultimately, I believe a lot of what we're seeing going on in America is a result of us claiming innocent lives, a nation that was supposedly founded on God and godly principles in the Bible has turned are back on the very institution of life that he has given for the sake of convenience. So we reap what we sow, but God is still at work. And God is still here with his hand reached down to say, I've got better for you. 
I want to heal you. I want to restore you. I want to heal your, your, your body, your, your mind, your heart for those who have been deceived into abortion. I, I want to heal your family. I, I want to heal, not just that, I want to heal your, your society. I want you to turn back to me and my ways and know that I control the womb and that I have ordained life. And it's very specific. And I have a plan for each and every one. Praise God, God is a God of restoration and healing. I want us to now, as this video plays, as we watch it, I want us just to pray in our hearts and our minds right now. Pray for those who have had an abortion, for those young women who are hurting, who are desperate, who are caught up in a lot of other things trying to fix what's happened inside of them. I want us to pray for them. I want us to pray for the families that have been involved. I want us to pray for our society that's turned its back on God and deems this as being okay somehow. I want us to pray for the people that are elected in the office, even in a few weeks, that God would allow us to place people there through our voting that will make a stand for life, that will make a stand for what he deems as righteous and natural. Want us to pray for God to use us as truth and salt and light in a world that so desperately needs it. God is a pair of life. The Bible says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Jeremiah 1.5 For you were created my envelope's being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your work's just wonderful. I know that full well. My plan was not hidden from you, when I was made in a secret place. And I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days were gained for me, was written in your book, for one of them came to be. Psalm 139, 14 from 16. For I know the plans I have for you, cares the Lord. Parents past for you, for not to harm you. Parents to give you hope in the future. Jeremiah 29, 11. bow our head and close our eyes. Will you choose life today? Will you choose life and stand for life in the womb as God has very cleared out, laid out in, in his word? Here's my question ultimately for you today. Will you choose life today for yourself? Will you choose eternal life that God has made possible for you by sending his only son to lay down his life on a cross and sacrifice all, to take the penalty of your sin and place it upon himself to set you free from the wrath of God that comes against all unrighteousness. Will you choose that eternal life that's a free gift at the cross today? You don't have to do anything to earn it. You just need to receive it. Repent, say, God, I, I admit that and know that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of you, my Savior, and I've messed this up, and my desire is not to continue messing up. So I'm surrendering all to you at the foot of the cross today, and I'm repenting. That means I'm turning away from my sin, and I'm turning to you, and I'm depending on you to do the work to, to clean this mess up that I made. If that's you today and you want to cry out to a holy God today and receive life, that he's given you, I want you to pray a prayer from your heart to God's heart, mean business with him, and surrender your life.
to him. Or if you're here and you say, Brad, I've walked in out of church doors a lot in my life and I've even thought I received him or I did receive him once in my life. Matter of fact, I know because I was on fire, I, I had this change, this, this new direction. I, I felt it and I know it was there, but man, lately I've drifted, I've dwindled, I've stepped away like the prodigal son and I wanna come running back today to my father's house. And I wanna rededicate my life back to Jesus. If that's you, I want you to pray the same prayer from your heart to God's heart. And just do business with the Lord right now where you're seated. So receive him for the first time or rededicate your life to say, dear God, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of you, my savior. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son to die on the cross, to take the punishment for my sin upon himself so that I can go free, that I could be forgiven. So Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would give me the strength through this to turn and to follow you. Thank you for the victory of the resurrection. Lord, that you in your power through Christ raised him from the grave in defeat of hell, death, and the grave. And Lord, I want that victory in my life, I need it. So I come to you on bended knee and I surrender. I give it all to you. You have my life. Because Lord, I know you can do more with it than I can. So Lord, my promise to you is that every breath I take and every step I make, I will live out for you, for the truth of your word, and to make disciples that other people would come to know you. Amen, if that's you and you committed your life to Christ right now, or you rededicated your life to him and you prayed that prayer, you meant business with God, from the depths of your heart. Will you raise your hand right now? No one's looking around and said, Brad, I prayed that prayer. I meant business with God. Amen. Thanks again for joining us today. The Lord is truly doing an amazing work and we would love for you to be a part of it. Check out the show notes for links to our website and social media pages. Or if you're ever in the Lynchburg or Forest, Virginia area, please come on by and join us in making an impact for Christ.